book of Galatians, chapter 1, and verse 6. Galatians 1, 6, for our message from the Word of God this morning. You'll find Galatians 1, 6 on page 1241, if you're using the church Bible this morning. This morning being June 27th, 2021. This morning's text will be in Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9. And the title of this morning's message is, A Fool and God's Grace Are Soon Parted. (laughs) A Fool and God's Grace Are Soon Parted. And we begin with the story of a mother who said to her little boy one morning, Johnny, last night I put four big cookies in the cookie jar, and this morning there's only two. How do you explain this? And little Johnny said, well, it was kind of dark, and I only saw two cookies. I guess that would explain why he had not taken all four. Well, just as that mom was surprised that those cookies were so soon removed from the cookie jar... The Galatians were very soon removed from the grace of Christ that Paul called them into. And he was surprised by that, as we see in Galatians 1.6, where the Apostle Paul told them, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Now, the first thing I want to point out is that Paul doesn't actually say that the Galatians were removed from the grace of Christ, does he? That was true, but that's not what he says. He says they were removed from him that called them into the grace of Christ. And he wasn't saying that they were removed from him. He was saying they were removed from God. Paul might have been the apostle of grace, folks, but in your Bible. Every time it talks about how people are called, and every time Paul talks about how people are called into grace, it was always God who did the calling. Your first reference has just one example of that in 1 Corinthians 1.9. Paul told the Corinthians, God is faithful, by whom ye were called. Corinthians were called by God into the grace of Christ. And 
not in any mysterious way. As you look at your next reference, you see that God calls people with the gospel. As he told the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 2.14, where, speaking of God, it says, He called you by our gospel. When the Apostle Paul preached the gospel of grace, the Thessalonians and the Corinthians believed it. And that's how they became what Romans 1.6 calls the called of Jesus Christ. And God called the Galatians into the grace of God as well. That means they were saved from their sins by God's grace, as it says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you're here this morning or watching our video or listening to our recording on our website, you need to know that you can't be saved by your works, by the things that you do, but only by God's grace through your faith in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary. Amen? Amen. All right. But the point in the book of Galatians is, once we're saved by grace through faith, God expects us to do what he says in Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, by our Lord Jesus Christ also, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. That means that once we're saved by grace, God expects us to stand in grace. And do you know what the opposite of standing is? Look what Isaiah 46, 7 says. He standeth, from his place shall he not remove. <laughs> Do you see how that verse defines standing as not being removed? So, when Paul says that the Galatians were removed from God who called them into his grace, it means they weren't standing in God's grace. Now, if you're not sure what it means to stand in grace, you're in the right church at the right time. <laughs> because we're about to study Galatians. And as we're going to see, Galatians is all about standing in the grace of God. And once you see what standing in grace is all about, folks, you too will marvel. 
that anyone would remove themselves from standing in the grace of God. Especially when it happens, as Paul says, it happened to the Galatians, so soon after they began to stand in it. That's really what got Paul marveling here. I mean, he knew that men have a a natural tendency to depart from God's truth in any dispensation. He just thought it would take a while, <laughs> as he wrote to Timothy in your next reference in 1 Timothy 4.1. He said, in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. And here it happened very soon. So here we have to ask, how Satan did it? How did he manage to remove them from the liberating message of the grace of God so quickly. What could he have possibly offered them that would make them leave the grace of God? What, what was the bait that he dangled in front of them that was so tantalizing that they just couldn't resist it? Well, first of all, did you notice that Paul doesn't say they were removed from grace to a false gospel, does he? He says they were removed to another gospel. And he meant some other Bible gospel. He was talking about the gospel of the kingdom that the Lord Jesus Christ preached. The one we read about in your next reference in Matthew 4.23, where it says Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's the same gospel he sent the twelve apostles out to preach, as you see in your next reference in Luke 9, 1 and 2. When he called his twelve disciples together, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. But that is not the gospel of grace that the Lord sent Paul to preach. Last week we saw that part of that kingdom gospel that the Lord sent the twelve to preach included the law of Moses. As you see when the Lord told the twelve in Matthew 28, verses 19 to 19 and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Well, what things had he commanded them to observe? Matthew 23, 2 and 3 says, a couple chapters earlier, he told them the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, teaching Moses' law. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. He taught them to observe the law that the Pharisees taught, and then he told them to teach the law to the nations. 
But the Lord did not send Paul to preach the law. He sent him to preach in Romans 6.14. You're not under the law, but under grace. That's the grace of Christ that the Galatians had believed, but had removed themselves from it unto the gospel of the kingdom. When they did that, they quit standing in grace. And verse 6 says that they removed themselves from God when they did that. So what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean they lost their salvation. It doesn't say that God removed himself from them, does it? It says they removed themselves from him. When you try to go back to something that God used to be doing in the Bible in a previous dispensation, folks, but isn't doing anymore, <laughs> you're, you're moving away from God, not toward Him. That's how important rightly dividing the word of truth is. The principle we read about in 2 Timothy 2.15. But now... As you read on, you might wonder if I'm right when I say that that other gospel they fell for wasn't a false gospel because in the next verse, still speaking about that other gospel, in verse 7, Paul says, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Well, if the Galatians had fallen for the Twelve's gospel of the law and the kingdom, how can Paul say that their gospel wasn't a gospel? <laughs> well, what's the word gospel mean? Anybody? Good news. And how do we know that? Well, you can know it if you look it up in my old 1951 Webster's Dictionary, because the first two words in the definition are good news. But you know what? That is not how new dictionaries define the word gospel. I checked online a couple of them. No, doesn't doesn't say good news at all in any of the definitions. So it's better to define the word gospel by looking at what the Lord said in Luke 4.18, when he talked about the gospel. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Well, if you know your Bible well, you know he was quoting your next reference, Isaiah 61.1, where it says, Of him, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the gospel? Is that what you're saying? No! Glad tidings! Do you see how the Bible defines the word gospel as good tidings, or as we would say these days, good news? So, when Paul said that the law wasn't a gospel, he wasn't saying it wasn't good news. <laughs> He was saying it wasn't good news for the Galatians. It was good news for the Jews to whom the twelve ministered it. 
because they were under the law. But the Galatians weren't under the law. They were under grace. So the, the law was not gospel to them. It wasn't good news to them. It was bad news to them. And it is bad news to you and all other members of the body of Christ, as we're going to see in this study of the book of Galatians. Once again, if you take a gospel out of its dispensational setting and put it into another dispensational setting, it turns good news into bad news. Now, if you're not convinced that according to what verse 7 says there, some were preaching the law to the Galatians. Look what word Paul uses in verse 7 to describe what they were doing. He says that they were troubling the Galatians. Do you remember from last Sunday how that word was used at the Jerusalem Council? Last week we saw that after those Jewish leaders met in the Jerusalem Council to decide if Paul's gospel of grace was legitimate, James made a decision, one that you read about in your next reference in Acts 15. James said, Wherefore, my sentence is that we, what's that next word? Trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them. We have heard that certain which went out from us have, oh, there's that word again, troubled you with words. How did they trouble those Gentiles with words? Subverting their souls, saying, here's the words, you must be circumcised and keep the law. And then James adds, to whom we gave no such commandment. Do you see how James calls it troubling to tell those Gentile believers they had to keep the law? And he said, my sentence is that we quit troubling them by telling them that. But, Last Sunday, we also saw that unsaved Jews left that council and went out troubling the new Gentile believers with the law. And here we see that they got to Galatia and were troubling them with the law as well. And we have a word for people who make trouble. What is it? Trouble. Troublemakers! <laughs> What else would you call someone who, according to verse 7 there, perverts the gospel of Christ? And what do we call someone who perverts things? He's a, he's a pervert! This is interesting. Do you know what my old dictionary says a pervert is? I got a picture of it in my phone. I says, nobody's going to believe this. <laughs> so I took a picture of this definition. A pervert, according to my 1951 Webster's Dictionary, is someone who has forsaken the true religion for a false religion. It says a pervert is the opposite of a convert. 
A convert is someone who believes or believed a false gospel or false religion, but converted to the true religion, to the right religion. But a pervert goes the other way. Usually because somebody perverted the gospel. When you pervert the gospel, you're turning good news into bad news. Of course, nowadays, the word pervert pervert is usually used to talk about sexual perverts, isn't it? And people, when they hear about sexual perverts, get outraged, and rightly so. But folks, grace believers ought to get just as outraged when somebody perverts the gospel of grace with the law. Paul was. You can tell because of what he says in verse 8. He says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, the gospel of the grace of Christ, let him be accursed. Now, this is another verse where the little words are really interesting. Don't overlook that little word, we. Paul was including himself in his warning of men who might pervert the gospel. You say, well, why wouldn't he trust himself not to keep preaching grace? Well, I think there's several reasons. For one thing, Alzheimer's might have a new name, but it is not a new condition, is it? It's always started by erasing short-term memory, leaving only old memories. Well, what old memories would Paul the Apostle who used to be Saul of Tarsus be? have, I should say? He would have old memories of the law that he grew up on, wouldn't he? And so if he ever came down with whatever they were calling Alzheimer's in his day, that might be why he includes himself here in the the warning of men who might start preaching the law instead of grace. It's also possible that he was smart enough to know that all of the persecution he went through might eventually make him stop preaching the thing that was causing him to be persecuted, the grace of God. Now, if you're not smart enough to know that persecution would maybe dampen your fervor for the grace of God, you need to heed Paul's warning in your next reference in 1 Corinthians 10.12. Let him that thinketh that he standeth do what? Take heed lest he fall. Because you and I are no better than Paul, folks. Paul also might have been thinking of something that he warned the Thessalonians about in 2 Thessalonians 2.2. He told them, Be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ was at hand. Somebody had written the Thessalonians a letter 
telling them that the day of the Lord was at hand, the tribulation. And they signed Paul's name to it. It looked like a letter as from us, Paul says. And so he had to write them and tell them he didn't write that. And he wasn't teaching that. And here in Galatians, Paul might be saying, if you get a letter from me saying, I'm now teaching the law instead of grace, just put it on the pay no mind list. <laughs> right? But isn't it interesting that in verse 8, Paul adds that even if an angel preaches the law, you should pay him no mind. And you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. Would an angel preach something that was undispensational? Well, a fallen angel would. You say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. It says uh, even if an angel from heaven were to preach the law. Well, that's where the unfallen angels live, folks. <laughs> we saw that in our study of Daniel, didn't we? That's what, and they're going to continue to live there till Michael boots them out of heaven in Revelation 12, like we saw. You know what that means? That means even if an angel named Moroni preaches the law, Paul says he's accursed. And if you know who Moroni is, that's the angel, allegedly, that Joseph Smith claims gave him the Book of Mormon. And if you've studied the Book of Mormon, you know that book adds law to grace. But now, by now, you're probably wondering, what does it mean to be accursed? Is that talking about being cursed to hell? Was Paul saying that if he started preaching the law and not grace, he would lose his salvation? Well, you know better than that. You know, there's a lot of scriptures that say you can't lose your salvation. So then, what does being accursed mean here? Well, let me ask you, how would you go about cursing an angel? You don't have any power to curse anybody to hell, let alone an angel. Who, Peter says they're greater in power and might than we are. But did you notice in that verse, Paul doesn't say that you should curse a fallen angel if he preaches the law. He's already going to hell someday. <laughs> Paul just says, let him be accursed. He said, what does that mean? Well, compare it to what Paul told the Corinthians in your next reference in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 38, where he says, but if any man be ignorant, there's the three words. Let him be ignorant. <laughs> And the men that he was talking about there, they were already ignorant. Paul was just telling them to recognize and accept that they were ignorant. And he was telling the Galatians here, if anybody preaches the law to you guys, you're I want you to just recognize and accept that they are cursed. You say, well, that still doesn't define what it means to be accursed. <laughs> well, 
30 times in the Bible. I looked it up. Go to home, get your Bible program fired up on your computer, enter to the two, or on your phone, uh, enter the two words curse and bless. 30 times in the Bible, cursing is the opposite of blessing. And here's one of them in James 3.10. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. Opposites. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. And that's true, those things ought not to be. But the point here is, if cursing is the opposite of blessing, and Paul was saying he'd be cursed for preaching the law, that would mean he'd lose his blessing, not his salvation. So what's it mean to lose the blessing of grace? Well, look what Paul told the Galatians after they fell for the law in your next reference in Galatians 4 and verse 10. He asked them, Where is then the blessedness he spoke of? What kind of blessedness? Well, he goes on to describe it. For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given it to them. And what he was talking about is the, uh, the blessedness that they had. Uh, it was, he's talking about the effect that the blessed message of grace had on them. When they got saved by grace, they were so thankful to Paul for introducing them to grace, they would have given him their eyes to help with his eye affliction. Now, compare that to how Paul describes the Galatians in your next reference in Galatians 5 and verse 15, where he says, Ye bite and devour one another. It got so bad that Paul had to write him in the next reference in Galatians 5.26, Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Well, he wouldn't have had to say that unless they were envying one another and provoking one another. Does that sound like they were still thankful for being saved by grace? Does that sound like they were thankful for the blessedness of grace? They went from being people who were willing to give what they had to others to envying what others had. And that sounds to me like they lost the blessedness of grace. And folks, that's the curse. That's the curse you reap if you preach the law. You say, is it serious? Well, it was serious enough for Paul to say it again in verse 9 in your Bible. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. He's saying if any man preaches that other gospel of the law, just recognize and accept that he's lost his blessing and now he's trying to get you to lose your blessing. 
So let him be a curse, but don't let him curse you. But now, when I teach this at Brian Bible Society and other grace pastors teach it, I'm often asked, what about James? We know that James preached the law because eight years after the Jerusalem Council, in your next reference, it says in this little snippet from our scripture reading this morning, in Acts 21, 18, and 20, that Paul went unto James and all the Jewish elders, and they said unto him, though James and those elders said to Paul, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. We read that passage in our scripture reading this morning, and did, it, did you notice Paul saying anything about James being cursed for preaching the law? I didn't. How come? Well, it was because of who it says he preached it to. He preached it to Jews, just like he promised Paul he would in Galatians 2.9. James, Cephas, and John gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we'd go to the heathen with the gospel of grace, and they would go to the circumcision. He preached the law to the Jews, just like he said he would. But... He also quit troubling the Gentiles with the law, just like he said he would in Acts 15. That's why in verses 8 and 9 here, you need to take your pencil or your pen and underline the words unto you. Verse 8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto the Jews, let him be accursed. Is that what you're saying? No. Unto you, you members of the body of Christ, let him be accursed. Folks, it's only if a man preaches the law to you who are not under the law that he's cursed. Now, maybe when I read you the title of the message this morning, maybe you were thinking I was being a little hard on people when I titled the message, A Fool and God's Grace Are Soon Parted. Well, if you thought that, look what Paul said to the Galatians in Galatians 3.1, uh, I'm sorry, your last reference. Oh, foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? And he was talking about the truth of standing in grace. Folks, only a fool would leave grace for the law. That's Paul's point. Only a fool would give up his blessedness. Only a fool would move away from God by leaving the grace of God. Now, the Galatians were probably surprised to hear Paul say that the gospel of the kingdom 
had removed them from God because you can bet your life that when the legalists presented the law to them, they probably told them, the law is going to draw you closer to God. So when they traded grace for the law, they thought they were trading up. How many of you ever heard that expression? Raise your hand. Yeah, I guess so. If you're not sure what it means, how many of you remember the old TV show, Let's Make a Deal? Raise your hand. Anybody? Oh, I know it's still on the air. And uh, who is it? Wayne Brady is the host now. But when I was a kid, it was Monty Hall. Monty Hall would come on, let's make a deal if nothing else was on because I wasn't really that big of a game show fan, but. Monty Hall would come out and he'd start the show by giving a member of the audience a um, hundred bucks or some expensive jewelry. And then he'd say, now you can keep that jewelry or you can trade it for what's behind curtain number three. <laughs> and sometimes when they traded, it was a new car! And Naturally, they were happy they had traded, because they had traded up. But sometimes they weren't so happy, because it was a phone booth full of bananas. Something like that. Now, the announcer was always quick to tell you, these are Chiquita bananas, but... Usually it didn't make the person feel any better because they knew they had traded down. And you know what? I think the part I remember best about that show is as they were deciding whether or not to make the trade, people in the audience were yelling, Trade! And others were yelling, Don't trade! And I can tell you this. When the Galatians were deciding whether or not to trade grace for the law, the angels in heaven that Paul says are watching us were yelling, Don't make the trade! But as you know, the Galatians couldn't hear us. So they made the trade. And folks, people still can't hear angels, no matter what they tell you. People still can't hear angels, so when you see a believer, and I see him every week in my emails, and sometimes in my phone calls, and snail mail, when you see a believer going back to the law of Moses, it's up to you to yell, don't trade! Don't make the deal! Don't trade the grace of God for the law. That's what you'll do if you want to be like Paul. If you want to be like Paul saying that. Amen. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you have taught us the important principle, the crucially important principle of rightly dividing the word of truth. And teaching us that just because something's in the Bible doesn't mean it's written to us. Just because something is good news 
For others, like when you told Abraham that in his seed all the nations be blessed, that wouldn't be so much good news for us. We're thankful for we're opening our eyes to the good news that is for us. We can be saved. As the Paul wrote the Romans, by grace, through faith, apart from the deeds of the law. As your ambassadors, Father, now we're, we're equipped with that information. Help us to be faithful in telling people not to trade down, not to go back to what Paul's later going to say, the weak and beggarly elements of the law. We pray it all in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.